Welcome to Enabling the World with Tech with your host, Prashant Gami. In this podcast, you will embark on tech journeys of successful companies focusing on how to scale effectively. Explore tech strategies and lessons from some of the world's most innovative and brightest people. Hi, my name is Jill Berry. I'm CEO and co-founder of AdaTree, a B2B technology platform dealing with regulated data sharing. You're listening to Enabling the World with Tech with Prashant with Prashant Gami. Thank you. Welcome, Jill, to our podcast. Uh, we looked at Editory and your journey before Editory, and it looks amazing. So tell us more about, like, you know, how did you get here? Like, what inspired you to actually uh, find found a company and deal with that? Because I, I saw that you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. So what is it? What is the whole journey about? Yeah, um, so, so I've always been um, a product developer by trade, um, working, developing um, banking products, payment, payment products um, in smaller organizations. So that, that means I just get my hands dirty with everything in the end-to-end process, really. Um, I've been lucky enough that since 2015, I've helped build two new fully licensed banks in Australia. So it's pretty rare here. Um and yeah, I definitely didn't plan on starting a company, um, despite actually studying on strategy and entrepreneurship at Sydney Uni. So uh, the, the reason that I really started Adatree was that um, my, co-founder, my co-founder and I, um, Shane, we were um, working on starting a bank, but this new legislation came out called the Consumer Data Right, yes. um, giving consumers full rights over their data about um, who holds it. Um, what people, what companies do with it, whether you have a right to deletion, some some really big, um, interesting game changers for consumer and data. And while we worked in financial services, there had there were so many wide ranging impacts um, outside of financial services as well, just how to better consumer outcomes um, economy wide. So we're like, it's, it was really similar to building a bank for what skills were needed. Um, we are passionate about the um, about the potential outcomes for Australians. There's no solution in the market, and we're just a team that works really well together. So we decided to definitely quit yeah. and, and found Adatree. That's great. So how big is the Adatree team? Like, where did you start, and how big is the team now? Um, yeah, so there's actually 12 people. We're mm-hmm. we're growing, and um, but yeah, so we have uh, have way more customers than, honestly than than I thought we were going to have in 2021. So it's been a, well, a really really big year for us, actually. That's good. Uh, it is in demand, and you are right. So like when it comes to AI, uh, ethics and consumer rights have such a big place, and it is often the ignored subject. So uh, companies like Adatri really add value to that customer advocacy and um, ethics, I guess. So with the uh, editory, how is your journey been? Like, what were the struggles that you had to do, go through? And this basically, you know, how did you end up where you are today? What was this journey like? Yeah, it's a, it's been a really long journey, but we've had a whole lot of help along the way. So I think that some of the, some of the hard um, parts of uh, of starting a regulated B2B company was um, so much about just even getting started, whether it's, you know, like the, like the, 
you know, the, the brand the proposition, like that's ultimately what I'm good at with, um, with product development, but there's the harder things that you, you know, that you probably wouldn't face nearly as much in a, you know, in a B2C startup, but um, B2B instantly, you have to have enterprise grade policies, yes. Um, yes. insurances, structures, sure. um, you know, and, and even finding some early adopters to it for, for your technology. So I think that, um, it, well, just like so many companies, you can have a wonderful solution, but if it doesn't really solve a problem, or if you don't actually acquire customers, then then it doesn't work out. So that's been a big challenge for us um, yes. from the beginning. But we are really, um, I, I hate using the word lucky, um, but uh, I, I think that things really fell into place for us um, when about four months after we started, that's when we signed our first client. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that's great, actually. And, and how many rewrites did you have to do? So we often see on this podcast that people like you know when they go through the journey of scale up founding and then scale up and when they go to the actual uh, customers and they think that okay this would be cool and that feature will really add value but when they actually start talking to the customer a lot of those features change because what customer needs versus what you think customer needs is a different thing so what happened uh, in that regards for you so um, I always prescribe to like more modern product development methodology where mm-hmm. um, you never, oh, it's, a, it's terribly inefficient <laughs> for time, cost and effort if you uh, decide to just build it and then um, try to give it to someone or try to sell it to someone. And they're like, well, you know what? That actually doesn't solve my understand um, problem at all. So I think it's just doing a whole lot of interviews initially, um, having yes. a lean, lean business canvas. Um, the customer value proposition canvas, really understanding those. Those are some of the some of the mm-hmm. um, tools in my toolkit. I've just been using my whole career as well. Understand. Um, and then, and then essentially working, um, you know, uh, working with like our even now like our our prospects and just always having a hypothesis based roadmap about well, what do we think is important? What, how Understand. we prioritize it? But also, what is the market looking for? right now um what are some of the barriers to entry and how can we make it such a no-brainer um to use us and ultimately we just want to solve problems for um, for for, um companies as well so when looking back on it um Mm -hmm. we have we had our um our our initial lean business canvas and we look back on it every few months or so and we kind of not not that much has changed okay Uh, that's good um Uh, but yeah yeah. yeah, so that brings me to the discussion because uh, customer um, customer uh, data rights. Now, everybody knows that the data rights are there, but as a product, what does it look like? What is a, a CDR as a product for Adatry? Like, what are, is it more technological solution or is it more regulatory solution? What actually involves in a, in a project um, that you deliver? Yeah, uh, so it's a good question. So um, CDR um, that in itself, um, it's not a technology. It's a um, a regulatory data sharing regime. Yes. So it has about two hundred sixty-seven ish pages of legislation and countless um, pages on essentially uh, GitHub. Yes. Um, about technical standards. So it's um, ultimately it's. Um, AdaTree is a technology platform. We are the abstraction layer where we take all of those rules, standards, customer experience guidelines, 
um, they're, 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 they're difficult to meet and they constantly change and it gets harder yes. and harder. So we are essentially an abstraction layer so that we take care of um, meeting all the regulatory requirements to collect and analyze data. Mm-hmm. And then we just give our clients an API. We stand it up um, in a single tenancy regulated environment that's been audited um, and then get our customers ready in about two hours. So instead of building and maintaining it themselves. So so, so that's where we sit in. For people to understand, is it something like a payment gateway in a, a, uh, how do you say, uh, in a logical way, like, like, for payment as well, you have this whole PCI compliance, but not everybody is like, you know, equipped to do that themselves. So they go to payment gateways that are PCI compliant and they can use it. So is it something similar in a custom in the data space then? Um, do you know what? It, it, it is actually um, similar to that, especially with like some new regulatory um, access models. So the same mm-hmm. way that you'd be like a representative of a, you know, of a larger payments company. Um, Understand? Yeah, so so it is similar to that. Um, it, I actually have like a, a way more basic analogy of it. Yes, um, yeah, sure, go for it. Whereas, like, if you want to make a presentation, you just care about the presentation and and what you're trying to achieve with it. You don't care about the technology of True. PowerPoint. So yes, so, so so my analogy essentially we're we're the PowerPoint of data sharing. Um, okay. All you care about is getting the data and doing something wonderful with it for your customers. Yes. And we take care of all the complexities of actually getting it. Definitely, no that that makes perfect sense. So banking is a natural ground where all the sensitive data is. But apart from banking, what are the other use cases of CDR where you are um, expanding? Yeah, so there, um, it's yeah, it's it's definitely not just banking at all. But um, we get asked this all the time about well, what are the different use cases? And yes. I think the best use cases definitely haven't been thought um, thought of yet. And it's economy wide across different industries. So I think that if if I had to um, uh, if I had to put it into two categories, it would just be smoother and smarter use cases. Now the smoother use cases. Um, are are definitely just about like looking at things that you do right now and just saying uh, with, with like streamlined, secure, reliable, fast data sharing. Um, yes. How can you make it faster? So it's like pre-populated onboarding or account mm-hmm. verification, transaction verification, income and expense verification, um, credit assessments. Yes. Um, you know, reducing rejected payments. So these things were just ultimately will like should make. Um, yes. should, should solve problems, um, but also they, they should just kind of complement existing solutions yes. right now. Um, you know, and some of those can be, you know, it doesn't have to be banking. So even things like energy, reducing rejected yes. um, uh, you know, p- payments um, and yep. anything where you have set up a direct debit, um, there's often a fraud or operational overhead True. associated with it. How can we streamline that with CDR? Yeah. Um, and then the other category is about smarter use cases. So it's things that you couldn't have done before, but now with the CDR, you can. Yes. Um, so it might be switching as a service. It might be um, and like collecting, analyzing, and initiating payments all, you know, all within mm-hmm. a second or two. Um, so there's interesting use cases um, to, 
to come up. And, and one of them that we've actually built was like the, the first non-financial services use case that we couldn't have actually ever built without CDR. Um, it's something called COVID hotspot alert. Yes. And yeah, it's essentially a, a way that you can um, share your transactional data with Adatree because we're regulated. Um, we have an API of the government COVID hotspots. Um, and we, we basically tell you confidentially, um, and we, we legally can't mm-hmm. even tell the government at all, um, just so you know if you have been somewhere that was actually um, a hotspot. So, Understood. so, you know, if you didn't check in or even if you did check in, we'll tell you, you know, in seconds instead of days. So yeah. just like, it's that idea of using real-time data for good. Understand, and and that's a perfect example of how technology blends into different use cases and and solves the pro- solves the customer problem, uh, which is great. And with the whole, like you know, um, it it almost feels to me that with CDR you're basically putting the trust where inherently there is a there is the trust is not there. Like basically, you are a trusted member who can handle data. Uh, responsibly and uh, legally and then provide it to wide variety of applications, which is great. And that actually reminds me like, you know, uh, because I hear a lot of this in a blockchain world as well, that it is it enables transaction between the non-trusted parties. So are you like from the technology perspective, what are your major technologies that you utilize? It is more AI, uh, data lakes, uh, big data, uh, blockchain, anything? You know what? We actually don't use any of that. Um, well, actually, we we use um we use machine learning mm-hmm. for the um for the matching of transactions, like um the banking transactions, to a specific um, location. Um, Understand? Turns out that was much harder than we anticipated. <laughs> but so it was a good <laughs> lockdown project for us. Um, but yeah, I think that um with with our company, the only vendor that we actually use for mm-hmm. um for technology is actually AWS, and we just access um, a yep. whole lot of their, their components, but everything is actually proprietary um, mm-hmm. to uh, to us. So I think that like this year has been um, kind of like really dipping our toe in the water of um, being you know, data engineering instead of just software engineering. Yes, and yes. Especially as our roadmap really focuses on how do you leverage data um, mm-hmm. that will be much more important to us. Um, understand. It, as well, but we're definitely we're definitely team AWS for our tech stack. Yeah, and, and I think most most companies are a tech enabler. We we do everything on AWS as well, uh, but then we end up using like their blockchain components, their RPA components, and AI and so on to do the smartness with the not just the data but the systems that we have as well. So it's 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 I think the technology is transforming and it will be wonderful to see what comes on next. So that actually brings me to the future question. Where is Adatri heading? What do you want to do next in the company? Yeah, definitely. So our um, so our roadmap is all about leveraging data because we've made accessing data really mm-hmm. easy yes. um, and r- removed barriers for companies of all sizes, use cases and industries to participate in CDR. Um, but the journey really never stops it. Oh, I just want to cool. access raw data. It's just about how can they transform it um, yes. in a way for their own use cases. So, um, but yeah, so we're essentially building out like a, a menu of options about like how, how you can um, configure through an API, just different ways to, um, to leverage the data. So that's, that's, you know, 
really, really important for us and, and our customers and a roadmap. Um, I think that uh, just generally um, within Australia, like the consumer data, right? Um, it starts with banking data, but it definitely doesn't end there. So it'll go to energy, it goes to telco. Um, and we have this vision two and a half years ago. We're like, all right, let's be the CDR platform, but not just for Australia, but for globally. Um, so you don't have to rebuild, you don't have to replatform. And it takes actually really minimal time um, yes. whenever there's new industry data sources or we're also banking on um, other countries following, ado adopting the Australian technical standards, yes. um, uh, ideally countries like Canada and New Zealand. Yeah. So, so when we want to, you know, it, essentially expand to those countries when they're mm -hmm. ready with the with the legislation that um, it'll be really minimal localization for us. Understand. And um, that brings me to the question, like when you have a global aspiration and you're growing too quickly and with the current market, the skill shortage is real, like people, it's hard to find good people and retain them. How is it going at Adatry? Yeah, it's, it's going really well. Just made a job offer today um yeah actually i i think that it's it's tough with uh you know with with, with a big um struggle for for talent across so many um companies like often you hear about software engineering but even in product um, yeah everywhere yes yeah especially you know of course, you're in the news about the great resignation. Um, but, I, <laughs> I, um, but I think that there's just table stakes of, you know, like paying market wages, um, you know, having an attractive, um, you know, ESOP program with startup tax incentives. Yes. Um, but then also just having like those, um, that, that company purpose, like, especially for us, like we really care about data for good. We like, mm -hmm. we, we know that, but of course we're for, for profit, we're a commercial um, entity, but it's also a question of, well, how can we, um, how can we encourage or really help um, or like do our best part for um, maybe like non-commercial use cases um, Understand. and, and yeah. have like a, you know, a data for good launch pad with that. So it's still, you know, I'll, I'll, it's mm -hmm. where values really meet technology as well. So I think that those type of things, and of course, with flexibility, whether it's remote working, people can come into the office however, yep. however they like. I think that those type of things like are um, that 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 will just be people asking um, you know, or expecting those type of you know extra perks yes. of flexibility because you know it's not just a job. We spend too much time at it, so it has to True. just be part of something much much bigger. True, and that is so true. And do you do you have all your stuff in house only always, or do you basically have elastic model of workforce or anything like that? I uh, know we we have everyone um in in house. Actually, the only people that we use um, externally are just legal and our PR agency. Understand. And and do you do you ever feel that um, you need to leverage or find more? Uh, resources to scale up faster do you ever feel like you don't have enough people um well of course you always <laughs> have more things to do than you yes. have resources for but i think it's just about um being really thoughtful about how you expand because um True. so many leaders who haven't been close to technology don't really think about well you can't always just throw people at the problem True. If I yes. just tripled my engineering team, it would actually just come to a halt. Um, yes. it, uh, it, it, 
it, it, I don't think it would work out very well um, at, at all, especially, and that's not even thinking about the cultural aspect as well. Yes. So, you know, so we, we have in our 22, 2022 plans about how to grow, but also like how to really grow thoughtfully. So we, um, so we're still being productive, especially while adding on new, uh, new software engineers as well. Yes. So it's, yeah, so it's Understood. definitely an important thing, but you know, could we triple the company right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't no, think it's going very well. But yeah, yeah. so we're about it. it. It looks like you have a very clear understanding of how to not only found a company, but also grow sustainably in a long term, in a lean way, in a, in a proper uh, lean but agile way, uh, so that it becomes like, you know, purpose driven as well as successful in growing globally. Do you have any tips on how to do that? What about um, like about like growing? what do you prioritize? How do you know that okay, this is how what we need to do next? Because a lot of people they have a lot of wishes, but when it comes to priority, like you know they they fail to prioritize the first thing first, uh, and it, it looks like you have solved that effectively. So, what is your secret there? Um, I think that it, just like backing backing it up, I think it's yeah. just um, I. I like to use very rational and non-emotional ways of prioritizing. It's never top down, but mm-hmm. it's bottom up. Like, like I think I've only made one call, just being like, nope, see, you know, like making the CEO I understand. Call, do that now. Um, but things constantly change. Um, and then we actually have like essentially like a, a ranking system where it's looking at um, you know, is this compliance related? Of course, we're regulated, you know, that yes, that, that has to get prioritized. Of um, but you know, is this an enhancement only for existing customers? Will this, you know, help bring on new customers? What's the unique value proposition? Um, you know, what's the what's the cost to build? What's the cost to maintain for the business for engineering? Um, how does this relate to revenue profitability? It's actually like this analysis of this. So yes. it's never someone being like, oh, I like this feature. This one's next. No, you have to think about, of course, it's never a business case. We're, we're too small for, for that. Yes. Um, but you just have to think about how does this add value to the business, to our existing customers, True. to our prospects, um, those type of things. Um, and I generally like to prioritize about um, you know, compliance always first um, and then looking at um, you know, a just unique value proposition in market and then just overall efficient, overall internal efficiencies. So for example, like we just finished this really big um, networking optimization project. Um, so of course we would never really blog about that. That's not a new mm-hmm. feature, but that's an internal efficiency where we can cut yes. our costs by around 70% every time that we deploy. So as soon as we automate, now we have incredible efficiencies. Now True. then we're kind of set up uh, for, you know, for onboarding yes. customers at scale, really. No, that's amazing. So in saying that your team and the culture, your leadership team, as well as your working team, how do you promote and maintain your culture and values that you have as a team? Uh, so um, we, we talk we talk about a whole lot of that. Um, and so like one example is definitely hotspot alerts um, mm-hmm. because we could have chosen any type of um, use case to to bring to market, but we really focus on like a data for good one. Yes. So I think that that's important. Um, ultimately we have like, we have like a, a monthly team meeting, like kind of like product roadmaps and just like mm-hmm. general ideas because things constantly change. We have to reprioritize, sure. um, you know, it's not wildly different, but you know, things come up, um, all, all the time. Um, 
and even even now like if you, this past few weeks it's like we talked about you know is every customer a good customer is every partner a good partner and how do we all weigh into that um because yes. we're not just employees um but we are owners in the business and we all have our own ethics and values and how and how does that really relate to what we do um, we, we talked about that type of stuff um and it's like oh you know, would you decline certain customers or um or even having some type of uh like a, a well we ended up thinking mm-hmm. about like a data for good program where like well instead of saying no to some customers how can we say yes to other um type of companies or use cases that maybe wouldn't get that leg up otherwise mm-hmm. so i think it's just trying to be like really constructive and positive um but yeah, so, I mean, ultimately values, they just should never sit on a page. They should never just, you know, be, be written on a wall, but it's like, how do we actually promote this and, you know, treat each other, um, you know, with, with, with respect in our, our clients and our regulators and just always live that in our behavior. So I think it's because we actively talk about it. We like, how yes. do we even be like, all right, what are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And and I see that you have a very purpose-driven and a very focused company. How does it blend with your personal goals and personal life journey? Is, is it something you always wanted to do? Absolutely not. No, no, no. Um, I, I like working hard. I like solving problems mm-hmm. um, and just like kind of like critical thinking in general. Yes. Um, but um, but 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 I I never planned on being being a, a CEO. But I think that overall, like being in pro- a product developer, you just kind of have to you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have True. to just go from zero to one and know that you're going to have a lot of uncertainty. That they will be tasks that you just don't know what to do, and it needs True. to be done tomorrow and perfectly yes. <laughs> or incredibly well. Um, so I think that I. Like just like considering that's been my career, like mm-hmm. going to, going to CEO, it's it's kind of a, a natural progression. Understood. For, for there, but I, I like I actively have to you know like change my notifications. So Slack's so so Slack's mm-hmm. not all encompassing, or you know just naturally if you get a message, you look at it. But I I turn it off, or I turn off like my email notifications, or I'll go for yes. a walk. Um, with my with my phone at home so I think that those type of things like I have to prioritize um, so I'm just like fresh and ready understand to and and you uh, I understand are you the technical co-founder or you have a, a co-founder who is technical uh yeah yeah so Shane is my technical co-founder so I've worked with him at Tyro and at Volt all right so you, I assume that since the day one you had a technical co-founder in editory yes yeah, and, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And how do you rank the, like, you know, the, uh, how do you say, importance of a technical co-founder? Because a lot of the time we come across the companies who do not have technical co-founder or they haven't thought of that until a later stage. And that that is like, you know, again, that creates a very different kind of how the business is found or like, you know, grown and all that, and particularly in a technology company. So would you actually found a company without having a technical co-founder to start with? Um, I think that considering what we do, it is, you know, it it's an API platform. Yes. Um, like, I, I like, yeah. <laughs> Other than doing the customer research and the, you know, like the branding and the lead business canvas, like I, I wouldn't be able to build it myself, but yes. I can definitely make product requirements. So, I mean, um, there is no way that, um, 
the, yeah, the, there's no way that I could have, you know, founded it tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say w- without Shane, but we're, we work incredibly well together. Um, we've worked at two companies together and mm-hmm. I imagine that, you know, we'll, like, we just intend on working together of course. Um, in, in the future. Um, I think that it would be very challenging um, without a technical co-founder and the same way with him, that you'd probably be really challenging for him just being a technical founder and yes. not a product or, you know, True. like the, the customer facing person. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Trust me, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a technical uh, founder and I can tell you uh, until I met the, like, you know, the another person who can take care of all the branding and sales and everything, it was just going in a all over direction. So I, yeah, you, you do need complementary skills and you do need a team. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, I, so what is the future apart from Edatry? Like, where are you growing? Uh, are you currently focused on just growing this company or are you growing like, you know, other companies? Tell us about the future and dreams. I have no other time for anything other than Ada Tree from like a corporate <laughs> perspective as well. Like, no, we we just have so many um, big goals for for us in our in in our um, companies, you know, or, or in, within Ada Tree, and to to keep our employees challenged and happy, and you know, clients ha- happy, and you know. Or, so I think that we we have we have a lot going there. There's no way that I would be able to. Um, manage anything else understand but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it's a, it's, it's a big challenge um, for me but I'm so so passionate about it and um, yeah it's it, it, it is fun that's good that's great actually and and with your global aspiration how are you guys going what is the timeline you're looking for are you targeting 2022 to go global so Honestly, our, our platform would be ready, but we're just waiting on some um, legislation in other countries. So as soon as that gets the green light, then then we can localize and kind of be there. Understand. Yes. Yeah, so, so, that, so we are absolutely keeping our eye on that. Okay. Yeah, that seems great. And uh, in terms of uh, the technology talent, again, uh, coming back to the technical pathway and how the product took uh, and so on. How did, how long did it take to actually create the first offering, uh, a production level offering of a tree? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. How long did it take to create the MVP, the first version that launched out? I, uh, You told that in four months you signed the first client and that would have been a major challenge because uh, I don't know if in four months your platform was completely ready. It de- it definitely wasn't and absolutely not. So I think that it we really started um, more of like with a with a proof of concept, mm-hmm. um, and then and then going into an MVP. So I would say it would have taken like a realistically a year for an MVP. But we really didn't want to build an MVP. We wanted to build a factory. And I think that with the with the early investment, mm-hmm. that's um, that's really worked out well for us. Um, just because now we're pretty much as scalable as AWS um, with our infrastructure, automation, and, and and networking. Really. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so the that, last the, the last thing that anyone in our sales team would want if we're like no we don't have no, to we can't do that. onboard someone but we're like no that that's great e- even things like one of our unique advantages is that um whenever um whenever there's a a new data source a new bank that comes online instead of doing a manual integration to it um 
everything's automated. So we just get a Slack notification if when, when something's done. Um, okay. Because our engineers, they want to build applications. They want hmm. to solve more problems. They don't want to do manual of um, course, like in, integrations yeah. and, and testing. We just have automated all of that. And, and do you have uh, right now? Do you have? Yes, I understand the onboarding new tenant is automated. Do you have a continuous delivery as well? Like, do you have uh, continuous releases going out all the time? Oh, you mean like CI/CD? Yeah, yes, CI/CD. Like everybody does CI/CD, but then they have like you know they only release once a year or something. How? Oh, yeah, is yeah. It? absolutely. Um, constantly. And then, so we essentially, um, since we're regulated um, as well, mm -hmm. we have our own platform, you know, like accessing, you know, like like production real data. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's always um, tested first. Um, and then we have our um, customers' production platforms, um, only after ours is tested. And then even their developer environment um, that 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 is a replica of um, of production environment, except it's mm -hmm. um, attached to yes. some, some mock data sources. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really don't call it like a developer environment. We call it pre-production. Yeah, pre-production. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you see it, the sandbox, where like, oh, mm -hmm. it's not just test data; it's a full implementation, but mm -hmm. you know, like it essentially, you know, for your yes. concepts. Um, but yeah, so 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 we. We care. I think that that's a really one of our big selling selling points. Mm -hmm. Like we test it in production with ourselves before it even goes to you in production. Before it even goes to you, you know, for sure. for, for your you know pre production mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. Um, so it's you know it was like the the blessing and the curse of us being regulated ourselves, but it's much mm -hmm. better for um, just like our our, our yeah. technology platform, but definitely being tested in prod. Yeah. Uh, and one thing at X Enabler, what we are promoting heavily is a continuous innovation, like your product need to be innovated continuously, not just maintained, but like, you know, adding features, adding functionalities, adding more and more. What do you think about that? Is Edatri, like from what I have heard, it is a continuous innovation company. And how important, like how, how important do you think that is for a company? Oh, it's super important because there's domestic, there's international companies who are like, who said that they want to build what we have. If we just stopped right now, they would eventually catch up. Yes. But so, so we're just like, all right, this is what we're going to deliver, you know, within the next year. These are the things we know about. These are the things we don't even, you know, we have room for lots of things that we don't even know about as well. Yeah. So I think that, that it's absolutely everything to be um, continuously innovating, whether it's incremental or radical. Yeah, no, definitely. That that makes perfect sense. So, uh, well, tell us more about all the awards. I see that you have, like, you know, received a number of awards through uh, last year and the year before. So what was that journey like? Yeah, I, I think that the, um, it's, it's been a, it's actually been a fair amount of awards, honestly, more than I ever expected to um, to receive or even nominations or finalists. Um, I think that it's really just a reflection of our strong vision, our ability to execute, um, and, and and that's and that's really everything. <laughs> so, oh, so well, like um, even now we just got best um, open banking solution mm -hmm. um, at the fintech awards last week. Um, had number of um have leadership awards, um, nominations, you know, for best partnership, 
with uh, with a bank and, and fintech um, for COVID hotspot alert. We got a global um, like best use of open banking um, yes. for good um, mm -hmm. award. So I, I like to think that it's a it's a reflection of um, all, all of our achievements. That it is a definitely, team. and it is a, it is a testament to all the hard work that you and your team have put. Uh, that's that's so true, uh, and and that's wonderful. Jill, thank you for coming to this podcast. We had a wonderful time uh, talking with you and learning more about Edatry and, and the CDR. I, I don't think many people would even know about CDR before this. Uh, it's, it's quite like people who come from banking or I spent a fair amount of time in banking. I think we were at AMP at the same time, probably at some point. So uh, it is it is great to know the technology and what you are doing uh, with it. Uh, thank you very much for that. And I hope we'll see you again soon on our podcast, uh, Enabling the World with Tech. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.